Hello and welcome to Bible Marathon. We're all about learning how to read the Bible, about spiritual gifts and giving proper defense and explanation for what we believe as Christians. The goal is to progress with joy in the faith and without further ado, let's get into the word. What is prayer? Unmute yourself. Try not to type. It's talking to God. Okay, talking to God. What else? Um, prayer is basic in the basic level. Prayer is communication with God. You're talking to God, and in return, you expect Him to respond back to you. Okay, communication. So two-way communication. Okay, that's yes. I heard that a lot. That's good. Who else wants to bring up? Another definition of prayer. I would say prayer is either, I think growing up in church, I heard this word a lot, petitioning. Um, Prayer could be a form of petitioning, making a request to God, or it could just be a way of you praising and glorifying God. I feel like it usually falls under those two. Okay. So, I mean, we're we're all on the same page. You're talking to deity and you are receiving something from deity back. That's prayer. That's communication. You're petitioning and you're receiving. All right. I I want us to realize that prayer fundamentally or primarily is the upward communication. So I know there's been that emphasis over the years on, you know, talk to God and he'll talk back to you. But that has also caused a lot of people, a, a lot of people to misunderstand how God works. So practical example, I've been praying, but I've not heard God speak. I've not heard God's voice. So you think you're not praying. How many of you have felt that before? So you're praying and they've told you it's a two-way communication, two-way communication. And it doesn't, just doesn't seem like that. Does that invalidate your prayer? Absolutely not. It's just that you probably have locked yourself in a box, a theological box where you said, this is how God is supposed to speak to me. And because he's not speaking to me that way, he's not speaking at all. So I'm hoping that some of those things will be cleared up in this teaching series. So why is it called reach? We're looking at three aspects this month of prayer. All right. And I want you to take notes if you're taking notes. But this first session is going to be very, very, very interactive. And I've, you know, we tend to say that a lot, but I mean it now because some of the things we want to talk about here will bring out some vulnerabilities um, in our prayer life. And, and I'm hoping, I'm trusting that God can help us, first of all, acknowledge those vulnerabilities talk about them and receive help and healing where necessary. Say loud amen to that. Amen. All right. So why reach? Well, we're looking at three things, three aspects of prayer. The first aspect is faith in prayer. Faith in prayer. So believing in prayer. That's why we call today's teaching faithful. Wrong spelling, but just to to make the point clear. Faithful. Like God wants you to have faith in prayer. And that's the emphasis of today. But we're also talking about opportunity in prayer. Now think about faith in prayer as you trying to reach out. You know, we hear that phrase, reach out in faith. And that's where we get reach, by the way. Um, or when we talk about opportunity in prayer, who knows what opportunity means? It's, a, it's a, an English word. Who wants to try? What is opportunity? Wow. Okay. That's why we're here. So welcome to class. Ademola, you want to try? Yeah, I'm thinking maybe disturbance, like back to back. <laughs> That's it. That's I like the way you said it. disturbance. 
Yeah, um, I wanted to say I wanted to say um from the Greek word anakazo. Yes, to anakazo. Mm. Love it, love it. And anakazo is like a war term. It's like co- a combatant approach. I love that. Thank you. Dara says persistence. Uh, Ademola says compelling power. Mm. Yes, you are compelling and you're using efforts to do that. Um, so the, a, a very simple way of saying opportunity is continued belaboring or continued persistence. All right. And there's some examples. We, we don't build our theology on prayer outside of the scripture. So if we want to know how to pray, we look through the scriptures. What does the Bible teach on prayer? And then we say, oh, wow, the Bible says prayer is this, not what I thought it was. And so you reorient your mind. You allow the word of God to instruct you and you follow the right path because all scripture is given to teach. Agreed? So nice. And then the, the same idea there is you're trying to reach for something that you want to attain. And then the last part is intercession. What is intercession? Praying for people or praying about something that doesn't have to do with you directly. Okay. I like, very good. So praying for people or praying for something that is not about you. Isn't that most of our prayer then? <laughs> you mm. know? But most times you can be praying for yourself every day, right? Mm. Like mm-hmm. and everything, but it doesn't really affect any other person. But then when you now start praying for other people or praying for the other people be blessed and help to ties intercession mm. or you pray for a nation or something like that. Right. Okay. So who can give me the real, like the, um, when you say intercessor or an intercession, what does it mean by definition? Just defining the word itself. Okay. Can I? Yes. Can I? All right. So currently I'm reading a book um, from Pastor Kinetagin. So he said something that intercession is making prayers for believers. Mm-hmm. And intercession is making prayers for unbelievers. Praying when we are interceding for unbelievers. Now said supplication is when we are praying for believers. So but I know the book you are reading. Are, are you reading what? the art of are you reading the art of prayer? No. Which no. one? Um plan, purpose, and pursuits. Oh, plans, purposes, and pursuits. Okay. Yeah, man. I just you just took me back some years back. Um yeah. I love Kenny Higgin, by the way. Anyway, thank you for that. So those are direct terms. I think what I'm looking for, let me just go into it. By the way, hi, Olaito and Sarah. Good to have you guys around. And hi, Benola. Good to see you. All right, let's let's continue. And Ibukun. Hi, Ibukun. Um, so when we say intercessor or intercede or intercession, it just means to mediate, to be in between. So that's the fundamental meaning. That's why the Bible can say the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us. And it doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit is doing like, oh, she, eh, oh Lord, oh God. I, <laughs> I mean, that, I hope we don't imagine when the Bible says the Holy Spirit intercedes for us, that that's what it looks like. I hope we don't think that. Um, <laughs> so the idea, when you understand words and their definitions, it helps you get a better picture. It just means a stand between, there to help you in a place of need. So you're not praying for yourself. You're not trying to get any help for yourself. You're trying to get help or answers for someone else. And so that's why when we say intercessory prayers, it's right that we say we're praying for others. And I think there are some things that the Bible teaches about intercession that we'll gain from this month. So I just wanted to give you that background that this month it's themed reach. 
And I want you to symbolically reach out in the place of prayer this month. I want you to make a decision that this month you're going to pray more. You're going to spend more time actually praying. Praise the name of Jesus. Um, and I think that's, that's a very good place to start because we're about to talk about the first aspect of prayer in our, in our series this month. But how many of you have found yourselves on Instagram and you know, you're scrolling and then maybe you get to a point where you see people, you know, fitness enthusiasts, you know, telling you their story. So someone was like, one, you know, so maybe 250 pounds or something or 300 pounds. And then they went to the gym and then you see their before and their after. And, you know, you follow that trend and you just keep following and you're seeing a lot of things. And guess what you come out with? Oh my God, I want to go to the gym. I'm going to, this is going to be my story. How many of you have had a similar experience? It may not be with fitness, but something. Maybe somebody is just doing something excellent and you just felt, I want to do this because you saw it. Now, on the other side, there are people who also, you know, still on this same example. How many of you have started on that journey? So you saw something and it appealed to you. You said, I was going to do it. And you started it and you're nowhere to be found. And that, like, that's kind, of, <laughs> that's kind of like my story. I think my story is more of, you know, the gym. this is what it looks like with the gym. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. Because there are sometimes I'm enthusiastic about the gym. Sometimes I'm not. And most of the time, most of the things we really want to do are things we saw somewhere. And we took those things and said, we're going to do it. And so one of the, one of the beans of this generation, maybe beyond this generation, um, maybe many years back, I, I don't think it's a generational thing, even though it's worse, but I think we, we tend to live in fantasy land a lot. We tend to live in fantasy land. So we covet a very powerful, fervent prayer life. Maybe we've seen someone that we admire and they pray so well. And we say, I want to have this kind of life. I want to pray like this. And then it doesn't translate. So a lot of us have these grandiose plans. We have this grandiose mission. You know, some of you go for a conference, right? And, and please, this is not judgmental in any way, right? This is all of us. We're in the same category, all right? You go for a conference, maybe like it was three days the power of God came mightily. Oh my God, you were so stirred up. You said, I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to pray. I'm going to live a holy life, right? And then after that conference, maybe that week, there's still the energy. But then after that week, it's like, you're back to square one. And, you know, this is, this is one of the issues with us. We like to dream big, but delivery is zero. Like we don't always try to put in the work. And when we, when we do it, we, we may have the power to start, but many times we don't have the power to finish. And when it comes to prayer, prayer is only effective when you pray. I, that, I, I guess that's a logical statement, right? When is prayer effective? It's when you pray, not when you dream of praying, not when you think of praying, not when you look at prayer as a beautiful life for the Christian. So knowing about prayer, fantasizing about how long you pray, um, 
you know, even setting an alarm to pray. These are all good steps, right? Good steps, but it will never be equal to actually praying. I'm spending my time here because we have a tendency to hear sermons over and over again. It doesn't translate to how we live. And that is borderline reprobacy, especially when we hear the word of God coming to us consistently and we don't make active changes in line with the word of God. So I want to make that point again. No matter how much you desire prayer, to have a life of prayer, to have a culture of prayer, no matter how much your desire is, it doesn't equal to praying. It's not equal to praying. Prayer is in prayer. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know how else to say it. So I think the first point I want to make is that you should make a decision and convince yourself today that your life could be way better if you prayed. And I have proof that your life can actually be better if you prayed. Right. Let's 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 look at some of these things. The Bible tells us in Matthew 26, 41. Let me put it up for you guys. Matthew 26, 41. And we're, we're going to try to just see what our lives could look like if we prayed. First of all, do we agree? I want to be sure we're in the same room and we're in the same of, of one mind. Do we agree that our lives could be a lot better if we had a consistent prayer life. Totally agree. Okay. And let's let's get some data points. Like one thing I've learned in my office, right? Since I started working. So I was going through a promotion cycle, right? This some of us may have an idea of this. And in a promotion cycle, you have the duty to present data and evidence that you deserve a promotion. Right. So the way it works in my office is. You would have done so much over the course of many years. But when the promotion cycle comes, you have to sit down and write down, what have I done? And when you send that report in, the person who is supposed to give you that promotion is going to ask questions on every statement you make. So you say, oh, I was the one that worked in this project and it was successful. You say, so what? How does that concern me? What did you do? Give me data. How many... What, what is the success metric? Is it new, new customers, 500 new customers? Um, is it increasing usage? What, what is the metric, right? So even though that applies to the work environment, and I'm sure many of you have had those jobs where there's either a target or something to do. If you're in a sales job, there's like a target of sales to make, right? And different KPIs. There are KPIs in the realm of the spirit as well. There are KPIs in the Christian faith. So if we want to talk about prayer, it's not just saying prayer is good. Like I asked a question now. I said, hey guys, do we believe that we'll have better lives if we prayed? And we said, absolutely. But so what? What is better lives? Just define the terms. So can we start together and just define those terms? What are things that prayer can change in our lives that makes it worthwhile that makes our lives better what are the metrics how do we define a better life so uh, let me hear some some comments go ahead overcoming temptation like easier pause there pause there that's exactly right in fact that was the scripture i was about to to post so let me put it up on the screen and i want us to build a case 
like someone says, why should I pray? And I say, oh, here's why. So let me give you tools for war with this. All right. So um, Matthew 26, 41, stay awake and pray so that you will not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. So more, I think you can agree, right? We're on the same page here. You can agree that if you prayed more, you will not enter into temptation. So you would very likely have, not very likely, almost very guaranteed that if you spend more time praying, it will be more difficult to fall into temptation. So that's the first one. The first point is victory over temptation. So if you prayed, victory over temptation. Okay, give me another one. Anyone else? Being more joyful. Okay, I love that. Why? Tell me, tell me how you came up with that. Oh, um, you asked like, I think the question was how to get, like, what are things to get a better life, right? Yeah, like what, so, so what are the things that prayer can do in your life that makes your life better? So we just saw yeah. victory over temptation. So your point is really good, Joy. But I want you to prove that, like, give me evidence if you have any. Um, I think it's just from personal experience because I've seen okay. that when I'm going through, oh yeah, I'm very... Like there's a lot happening at the same time. And yeah. anytime I pray, I feel this like joy just comes and inner peace. So right. I, I believe there's a scripture about it, but it skips my mind right now. But, yeah, let yeah. me give you one. Let's 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 work together. If anyone knows scriptures about this point she she raised, you can share it. But one that comes to my mind is not directly joy, but it's a fruit of the spirit, just like Sarah said in the in the comments and in the chat. But let's look at it. Galatians, right? We know this. Um Actually, let's look at Philippians first. Philippians. Philippians tells us that we should actually bring our requests to God. So Philippians chapter 4 from verse 6, right? This specifically speaks to prayer. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So case in point, I pray to God for different aspects of my life instead of worrying. What is the resultant effect? The Bible says, and the peace of God that surpasses every thought will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. So, so to add to Ibuko's point, prayer makes you more peaceful, right? You experience more peace, more calmness in your life and your mind, right? And also there's a joy that comes as a result of knowing that you, you have answers um, to your prayers. In fact, the Bible talks about that your joy may be full. Um, ask anything in my name. That's actually the scripture. So Jesus said, you ask anything in my name and it will be done for you. Why? So that your joy may be full, right? He wants you to glory in the Father when you get answers to your prayers. So two things now we've established. The victory over temptations. What else? Fullness of peace, calmness of mind. Who wants to add another benefit of prayer? Um, um, for me, I want, I want to add two. Yes. Um, prayer increases your discernment. Hmm. We were reading my notes. <laughs> it sharpens. It sharpens your spiritual senses to be able to discern. Love it. Love it. Give us um, a scripture. Um, I, I would say, um, Jude 1 20, building up yourself. In, no, 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 mm. I wasn't. 
I was not supposed to say Jude 120. Okay. I was not supposed to say Jude 120. I can help. I think I know where you're going with it. So prayer yeah. helps with your discernment, meaning you are very much likely to walk in the will of God when you pray. Yes. So you limit how many mistakes you are bound to make. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Here's the proof. James. I think James is a better option. So let's look at James. Babe. I said babe. James. Sorry. I'm used to saying babe now. So it just comes <laughs> up in my, my mouth so quickly. Okay. James. okay so why, why, okay, why are you bringing a scripture? Let me yeah. mention the second point. Mm-hmm. My second one will be um, I, I read. Um, something with David yesterday, first Samuel, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and um, where he took his parents to the king of Moab. And yeah. then he said, um, let, let my guys, let them stay here mm-hmm. while I just go back to the cave. He said, until I know what God will do for me. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. prayer helps you understands God's particular program. Yeah. For, and then it's still connected to um you know the right step to take and not make mistakes. He said, let them stay a while may I go back to the cave until mm. I mm. know what God will do for me. So mm. prayer keeps you setting yeah. of your next move. Yeah. So mm. yeah. Love it. I love that. So it gives you insight into knowing what the will of God is. I love that. So let me, let's put scripture to back this up. And I was going to say something. I was, I was going to say, this is Bible marathon. So one of the things that should be, you know, accompanied with all the learning you get here is also like um, training you to think scripturally. I, I want you to learn to think scripturally. If you're going to make any points, just think where in scripture does it say this? Because it protects you when you have that mindset. Because you go out and someone says, oh, the Bible says, you know, there's God, the father and God, the mother. Well, show me, right? You want to have that attitude of show me, show me, show me the money. Don't just tell me. So I'm, I love the scriptures I'm seeing. I see first Peter five, eight. Let me quickly go there. So I, I think that was for the previous point. Um, be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil is prowling like a lion looking for anyone he can devour. And so I think the, the point here is being sober and vigilant is always accompanied with prayer, by the way. Do you know that? The Bible says watch and pray. Watch really means be vigilant, be awake, stay awake. And so Peter is making the same point here. Be sober, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling like a lion. He's trying to attack. And so when you pray, what do you do? It, it gives you, you know, a, an insight into his plans is into the devil's stratagems and protects you from it. So there is protection in prayer, right? And I think it aligns with knowing the will of God for your life too. Let's look at that aspect of um, knowing the will of God. Let's go there. Um, James, James chapter one. Um, and look at how the Bible puts it here. The context, by the way, I wish I could spend time teaching on the context here, but you know this verse, right? Um, James 1, 5. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives to all generously and without criticizing, and it will be given to him. And then he tells you how you should ask. Let him ask in faith. By the way, that's where we're still going. 
in our teaching today. But the emphasis here is James 1.5 says, if you lack wisdom, ask God. What does he do? He gives it liberally. And so if you want to know what to do in every, at every situation per time, prayer is the way. And so this is one of the benefits of prayer. So I'm, I'm really liking the feedback. Please, you guys, as it comes, just share. Um, Olaito says prayer strengthens you. Do you want to speak to it or you're in a place where you can't really speak right now? Talking about strength in prayer. Maybe, okay, maybe Olaito can't speak right now. Can yeah, you? I think a, I think a good example is when Jesus was exceedingly sorrowful when he was in the garden close to his death and right. he prayed and he was strengthened afterwards. You can see Love a it. different disposition afterwards. Love it. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, so Jesus prayed and the resultant effect of his prayer, even at a time of weakness, in fact, it was a, was a combative prayer in a sense. His, his body was weak. His mind was kind of weak. You know, he was like, my, my soul is sorrowfully even unto death. I can't, I don't know how I'm going to proceed, you know, to do this very, very huge task of laying down my life. And then to show you how serious it was, he kept asking that God should take this thing away. And so here's an example of prayer where he doesn't get the necessary answer from God, which is escape from from trouble and and, um, suffering. But instead, prayer reorients him and he gets strengthened to do the remaining part of his work. So that's that's a beautiful insight. And I think one thing you can also learn from this, you know, anytime you are thinking about why do we do what we do, Jesus should be your model. Jesus should be the example. we're supposed to walk and follow in his steps. He's supposed to be our example. So when we see Jesus praying, uh, he knows something. He knows something that we don't know. And so we will look to his life and we get some powerful nuggets about why he prayed, even though he was the incarnate son of God. Like he had all power. Why did he have to pray? Very, very important stuff. All right. Let's now check for another point. What else again do we, do we see prayer doing? I think what I'm, let me just show you what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to build a very strong case about why prayer is very necessary to live the Christian life, to have a good Christian life. Um, I think I have one, mm-hmm. um, but I want to put the disclaimer. At this point, I'm going to share. I think there's a caveat to it, but let me say this. I I believe prayer is the only Sorry, did I mute myself? No, go ahead. Okay. I believe um, one reason why prayer is important that prayer is the only legitimate way to ask God for things that you desire. And the caveat I want to add to that is that, you know, it's only if you align yourself in the will of God Mm. at that stage of your life. And, you know, the scripture I'm thinking of is Psalm 37, verse 4, you know, where it says, Delight your way in the Lord and you'll grant you the desires of your heart. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, and you know that text too has been used very dangerously by some mm-hmm. prosperity gospel preachers because yeah. yeah, actually, if you really understand it, the way the Hebrew phrases it, this is the idea: commit your ways to the Lord, and He will give you the desires to have. 
So when he says he will give you the desires of your heart, it doesn't mean he will give you the desires that you are hoping. He will give you the desires for your heart. Very, very, very powerful revelation when I learned that long long ago, Psalm uh, 37 verse 4. So, and, and it aligns with all of scripture because if, if it was automatically that anything we pray, we get answers to, and it's always the answer we want, the way we want it, then um, a lot of other scriptures would be problematic. And we're going to look at some of those, right? Okay. So thanks for sharing that. So I'm, what I heard and I can summarize there is alignment. So prayer helps you align with the desires of God. Okay, that's a good thing, right? We want to have an alignment to God's plan. So I'm seeing in the, in the chat, um, prayer helps us know the depth of God's love for us. Benu, take the mic. Tell us, tell us what where this is from. How you just communicate it to us, explain it to us. Ephesians, specifically Ephesians three, eighteen yeah. to nineteen. Love it. And, and so I'm guessing you're going with um, Paul is praying. Yeah. And he's praying about love. And he's saying that, you know, that you should know the depths, the height, the width, and the breadth of God's love. Um, and so he's praying for it. And he's saying that if I pray for it, I know this is going to be the result. You will grow deep in love. I love that. So growing deep in love. Wow. And then another scripture that supports Ephes point from Olaiton is uh First John three twenty two. I think I remember this scripture. Something about if we ask um, anything um, without any, um, if our heart doesn't condemn us, right? Yeah. So, First John three twenty one. <laughs> Sorry, it says, "Dear friends, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God." And by the way, this is something we're going to talk about today as well, uh, and it's going to be conversational because I have a, I have some hard questions. And I'm hoping we can answer them together. But look at verse 22. It says, we have confidence before God can receive whatever we ask from him because we keep his commands and do what is pleasing in his sight. And I see the connection here. It's like, I know I can ask from God because I'm keeping his commandments. So I'm aligned to his will. And so prayer flows is a cycle. I align myself to the will of God. The things I ask God for are in the will of God. So that is actually doing what is pleasing to him, asking for the right things, living the life that he calls us to live. So, man, you guys have done an amazing job. So let me show you the portfolio now. This is the resume we are presenting for the, for the job, right? Um, look at this. So prayer helps you to be victorious over temptations. It helps you to be full of peace and calmness and have calmness of mind. It helps you with making wise decisions, especially in persecution, right? In difficult situations, in trying times, you, you stay in the will of God for your life. You get the wisdom that he gives to you. You also walk in God's will. You stay aligned to God's plan because when you pray, you are in alignment. When you stop praying, you're, you're on free, free fall or free mode. Like there's no control system. Um, to keep you in in God's plan and God's will. Um, And by the way, why does that happen? Why is it that when you don't pray, when you pray less, you tend to do a lot of things outside of the will of God? Because God has ordained prayer to be a structure that keeps you in shape. Like it's a formative tool in God's arsenal for your growth and for your sanctification. 
you know, I think someone made the point that help um, prayer helps us grow. No, yeah, it was Modupe that said prayer keeps us in God's love, and that's that's exactly. Um, I I think you can make the conclusion that that is what Jude one twenty is really talking about. And I've taught it here before that a lot of people jump to Jude one twenty to talk about praying in the Holy Ghost as being the means through which you build yourself. And that's true. Don't get me wrong. But the context seems to make another important point. Let me put it on the screen for you. He says, but you, dear friends, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. So I can make the conclusion that one powerful way to keep myself conscious of God's love for me to keep myself growing in the knowledge of God's love, just like um, Binola mentioned, is by praying in the spirit and by building myself in my faith. So on one hand, a lot of people will say, building up yourselves is equal to praying in the Holy Ghost. I agree because other scriptures infer that First Corinthians chapter 14 teaches, you know, when you pray, you are edifying yourself. Others aren't being edified, but when you pray in the spirit, your, your spirit is edified. So there's growth. And the Greek word there is oikodomio. You are actually building something. Granted. But is that what this text is teaching? It's the opposite, really. It's, it's not, not necessarily the direct opposite, but it's actually saying one of the ways to experience that um, staying in the love of God consistently, experiencing the love of God, where it's not a fickle feeling, where it's like God loves me today, doesn't love me tomorrow. One of the most powerful things you can do to keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the coming of Christ, is to pray. All right. So that's what this text is saying. I think it's it supplies, it, it guides that. So look at the life we just described. So here's the life of someone who prays. They they hardly fall into temptations. They have peace of mind, calmness of mind. They walk in the will of God. They follow the will of God for their lives. They are full of joy. They experience the love of God. Um, Their faith is strengthened. They see the fruit of the spirit. Guys, so why would you pray? Like, do you get my point? I think that's what I was trying to achieve with this process we just went through. That is easy to just say, let's pray. But I think one thing that helps us is to ask the question, what is in it for us? It's not a selfish question. I think it's it's a legitimate question. What is in it for us? Why should we pray? Because guys, prayer is labor. If you've ever been in a situation where you did not feel like praying, but you went ahead to pray, can I see your hand up? Maybe just an emoji. You didn't feel like praying. Maybe you just, you woke up and it's like, oh my God, but you still decided to fight your flesh and pray. Good, I have some witnesses. It's, a, it's hard. I said there's a superman. Like I know, I know one person here. He never experiences this in his life. This Ademola has prayer machine. He has never, there has never been a time he didn't want to pray. Am I am I lying? <laughs> Why did you reply to me privately? Reply to the world. Let them know. But yeah, some people are not gifted like Ademola. Some people are like me, where you know, there are days when it's just like bliss. Oh my God, I can't do anything else. I just want to run away from everybody and just find a place to pray and just talk to God and enjoy fellowship with him. There are other times when it's like, not again, I'm tired. <laughs> and so that is legitimate tiredness. Like you've been, you had a long day. 
And, you know, but what I don't seem to understand is that believer who does not pray at all. Like you don't, you don't pray. And so maybe, maybe the issue is this, maybe the issue is one of the following things I'm going to list. And you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. You know, let me stop sharing my screen for a bit. Just tell me if I'm right or wrong. Like, why don't people pray? Why, why don't people pray? So I think the first point I mentioned is it's hard, right? It's a difficult, you are fighting the flesh, the spirit worked against the flesh, the flesh against the spirit. They are at longer heads with, um, heads with each other. They don't like each other. One wants to rule while the other one wants to rule. So it's a, it's a battle. And so every time you try to follow the spirit, there's always going to be resistance, right? Be it walking in righteousness. The world says, hey, I don't mind going to the club and just you know, womanizing. And as a Christian, you are basically saying, that's not my life. I'm not going to do it. No matter how easy it is for me to do it, I will not. You are doing something the crowd is not doing. So in itself, it's hard. So same thing with prayer. You say, I'm not going to just waste my time. I'm going to spend quality time every day talking to God. And so most people don't pray because it's hard. Facts. It's hard. It's difficult. Building a prayer culture, that's even harder because forget prayer right now. There are different aspects of your lives where you've tried to build discipline and you failed. For example, me, I don't have a gym life. It is the most erratic thing. I go to the gym, all right, um, but I don't have a gym life. Not like Jessica and who else can I look at here? Izzy or, you know, who else? Um, Ife. There are people that have gym life. There are people I look up to in the, in the realm of the physical, every, every ramification that has to do with physical building of muscles i respect you guys you guys have cracked the code i don't know how you do it but and more more ah how did i forget more some of you people that work out just lay your hands on me i really need it but i go sometimes sometimes i don't so i don't have a gym life but i think it is it is a powerful statement of arrogance <sighs> to not pray I, i'm talking of people that don't even see the need to pray and and that jessica is right by saying it's it's a lack of sense of value for prayer so let's talk about this a little bit because we built a case for prayer why we need to pray i think we need to build another case now for why people don't pray and maybe if your case applies to the list we're going to build right now um feel free to be instructed from it. Like if you see that, oh, this is my situation. Well, turn, let the word of God instruct you. So number one, too hard. Number two, pride. Do we agree? Do you, do you believe that it is an act of pride to think you can live your life, the life God gave you outside of his daily, like outside of daily consultation with him? It's like, I give you a job to work in my company and you don't attend any of the trainings. Like that's kind of like what it looks like. So there's, there's some pride. And I think there is the idea of, um, um, and you see, this is Victoria's point is what I'm getting to eventually. I want to hear everyone's comments on this real quick. So Sarah says too busy to pray. And so people, I don't know if this is a real, real legitimate reason reason let's think about it 
when it comes to prayer, the basis of prayer is communication. So my question that follows after people who say I'm too busy to pray is, do you communicate every day, right? Do you talk to people? If you talk to people, why don't you talk to God? Are you too busy to have that conversation, right? And I think there's a, I wish we had more time because I really want to hear some thoughts on this. Do you think some people don't pray because they being just being realistic or being like looking at things from a humanist standpoint is like, I can see people, I can't see God. So I, I don't see the necessity in talking to a being I can't see. How many of you think that's like a, a thought process some people could have when it comes to prayer? Like I can't see God. So maybe it's not necessarily as important as people I can see and touch and feel. Um, some people have that argument, you know, and so it makes sense that someone can say I'm too busy to pray when prayer is simply just talking to God. Like how many of you have ever said, I'm too busy to talk to you, to someone around you. It's very, it's very unlikely. You see that, you know? Um, okay. So I'm looking at some of the comments here and Jessica is making the point again. It goes back to value. So not only is it about pride, thinking that you can handle your life. And I don't think I even built my point on, on pride very well. I want you to see that a lack of a prayer life or not praying is actually is an audacious statement that you are proud, that you can handle your life by yourself. Because one thing prayer does, what prayer in itself is structured to be is a call to humility. Like it is realizing that your breath your life like is like a vapor it vanishes away but the fact that you still have it is because god gave it to you and so prayer is like acknowledging that that is true so when you feel like you can do anything in your life without praying or consulting god oh my god that's like that's the height of arrogance and and i really want us to start seeing things that way Right. And there's a point someone made. Um, okay, I'm seeing points in the chat. There's so, a point someone made, and I think it's very important too. Um, and the, the point Victoria made when you pray and you're not seeing results in prayer, there's every likelihood that you stop. So I know a lot of people, I've been there myself, where you know, you have prayed for something. I didn't see it. And I just felt maybe, maybe God doesn't really answer prayers. This is some years back, but this was a phase in my life. Maybe it's just all a scam. Like he just wants us to talk and pray because now people who don't pray, here was my rationale back then. People who did not pray were getting very good grades. And I prayed for a particular course and I didn't get the best grade in that course. So I thought, oh my God, God doesn't really, maybe God doesn't really hear. Maybe it's just a religious practice just to feel nice, you know, that, oh, I'm doing something religious. But people who don't pray, they, they get good grades. So what, what was the issue? And it took a while for me to learn that, hey, um, prayer is not the answer to everything. <laughs> Sometimes studying and putting in the discipline is the most ideal thing to do at that time. But it's still a case of, 
not really being sure that what you are praying about is getting answers. So I think a question I want to ask is, um, in line with Victoria's point, does God answer our prayers when we pray? Like, is there a guarantee in scripture that every time we pray, God answers us? Does anyone want to speak to that? Yes, there is. Right. The Bible tells us that um, this is the confidence that we have in God, that whatever we ask in his name, like he will do it for us. So there is a guarantee, although some people don't receive the answers they want. Mm. So sometimes you might be praying for money and God gives you a business idea. Doesn't mm. mean he can answer you. He won't just make money drop from heaven. Okay. So I like that point. Answers. So that scripture you quoted, you left out a part. So what part is that? According to his will. Yes, according to his will. So you have to pray in the will of God. If you're praying out okay. the will of God for someone to die now, God has every reason not to answer you. Beautiful. All right. So, so your point is prayer, God always hears prayer, but he has the full prerogative on how he wants to respond. And that the response you get is dependent on your alignment with his will. Make sense? Does that does that make sense? So yes. we have a we have a blanket text that we're going to look at today. For example, Mark 11, 22, 23, 24 talks about Jesus cursing a fig tree. And, and then they say, wow, the fig tree you cursed is dead. And just like, ah, you have little faith. I'd say to you, if you speak to this mountain and tell it to be removed and to be cast into the sea, and you don't doubt in your heart, but you believe what you say, you will have it. So that's a blanket statement like, oh, wow, Jesus said, if I speak to the mountain, be removed and be cast to the sea, and I don't doubt, it will happen. So that means I can pray anything, and if I don't doubt, I get it. And so sometimes it could be borderline the secrets or new age, where it's like, I just think it and I have it, or I dream it. You know, they say, if you can think it, you can achieve it. And you start crossing the lines. But you need to understand that scripture interprets scripture. So when you say blanket statement somewhere, check if there's any other scripture that balances that one. For example, yes, you can have anything you pray when you ask. Is that so? James says, you ask and you do not receive. Why? Because you ask amiss. You pray amiss. So there is something called praying amiss. So, so I think here's the best way to answer that question before I move to the next one. Whenever you pray, God hears, but God is the one <laughs> that is answering. And so many times we don't give him the, the full freedom that he has to respond the way he wants to. And so that's why it always looks like to many people, God is not answering us. So it could be, we're asking the wrong things. It could also be, that's not what God wants to give us and he knows what we need. So he's giving us what we need, not what we asked for. How many of you have asked your parents for when you were younger, you wanted chocolate every day of your life. I just want chocolate, chocolate. And they give it to you. You'd have been dead by now. They give you vegetables you did not want. Sometimes they even put sw swallow. You know, if you're in Nigeria, they will force it in your mouth, even if you don't like it, because they know what is best for you. And I think when you, you're talking about the, the God of the universe, the one who created you, the one that knows your future more than you know your past. You can trust him that he knows what is best for you. And so that's where prayer comes in. 
prayer is like saying, God, you know what? Here's what I want. Here's my desire. But I'm praying because you see it bigger. You see it better. So I'm, I'm here to align my mind. I want to talk to you, share my burdens with you, but I want to trust you in the process. You know, I, I remember a story. And this is, this is something about faith. When it comes to faith in prayer, I heard the story from R.C. Sproul. And, you know, many of us have this attitude. So there was a man at the top of a hill, right? Very, very big, high mountain. And so he went to the edge of the mountain and he stumbled and he fell. And as he was falling down, he grabbed a branch. So, you know, this, picture it, right? There's a big mountain and then he's falling down. He would have died. Like we're talking like 5,000 feet from the ground. And he held onto a branch and the branch was about to break. And he was like, help, you know? So the story goes this way. He looks up and he says, if there's anyone out there, please help me. I don't want to die. And then all of a sudden he hears a voice, right? And the voice thunders from up. It says, hey, I am here to help you. Just let go of the branch. And so the man looks down and looks up again. And guess what he says? Is there any person, is there any other person up there? <laughs> because most of the time, we have the answer right there, but it doesn't align with what we're, we wanted to hear. And so we want another solution. And I think that's what a lot of people tend to do. We, we don't trust God fully that he has our best interest at heart. Like one of the most powerful examples is Jesus. Jesus is about to die. You know, one of the th scriptures in the Bible says, you shall not die, but live to declare the works of the Lord. Jesus could have quoted that verse and said, ah, you know, it is your will that I don't die and I live. So Lord, take this cup from me. I don't want to die. But we see what happens in the place of prayer with Jesus. He bows his will down. He says, here's what I want. So prayer is actually you being open and vulnerable and, you know, honest to say what you want. God will not beat you for being honest with him. I mean, most of my prayer time is me for lack of a better word, complaining to God, <laughs> just talking to him, like, here's my life, here's my situation. I have no idea what to do next. I need your help, you know, and just trust that I talked to him and he heard me. So like, that is faith in prayer. Faith in prayer is not getting everything that you ask for. Faith in prayer is getting everything God knows you need. And guess what? There's a guarantee for that. That if you ask according to his will, he hears you and he will give you what you need. All right. Um, and, and, and to echo what Ademola said, prayer always comes with rewards. Someone wisely said, not every prayer is answered with a yes. Some prayers are answered with a no. Some prayers are answered with a not yet. But every answer is a yes from God. Just not your yes. Um, and I think this is a good way to reorient your mind that there were times, for example, when it comes to healing, and this is not very popular, but let me help you think through this. Do you, do you realize that there is a possibility that even in Paul's time, there were people that, I don't even need to think about it. Do you know that in Acts, one of the apostles of Jesus was killed? Yes or no? So. These were prayerful people, but someone was killed. And then they arrested Peter and they were going to kill him too. And the church said, hey, no way. And so they gathered and they started praying. And in that prayer, 
the Bible tells us that, you know, they prayed. It was like probably vigils, several vigils. They prayed and prayed without ceasing. Prayers were made without ceasing for Peter. And the Bible tells us it was a victorious experience. You know, God steps out and brings him out. And it's a miracle. So he's delivered. So we see that prayer does work. Agreed? So we don't, we're not wasting our time when we pray. God hears our prayers. But is there a possibility that there are times in, in prayer where you ask for something and you don't get the result? So in one place, they're praying for Peter, they get the result of their prayer. But in another case, we see Jesus praying for, you know, the cup to be taken away or, or in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, in Paul's situation where Paul is, you know, experiencing, I've, I've taught on this before, severe persecution is what I believe was happening, you know, turning his flesh and, and then he, he asked God to take that away. So notice the consistent theme. Was that a prayer of faith? Absolutely. He believed that God would hear him and answer his prayer. But how did God answer? Let, let me put it up on the screen. Uh, second. Th- oh, thanks. Thank you. Second Corinthians. Oh, let me just put this. Corinthians 12, from the 7 to 9. Look at this. Long story, but I'll shorten it. So especially because of the extraordinary revelations. Therefore, so that I will not exalt myself, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to torment me, so I would not exalt myself. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times. That's prayer, pleading, asking, petitioning, whatever you want to call it. Three times. So what did this look like? Is it that I was just here and it was like, God, take this away. God, take this away. God, take this away. Do you think that's what the prayer was? Oh, no. (laughs) When he says three times, I believe very strongly it means he came back to the place of prayer and prayed about it again. So it could be a similar situation to you. You've been praying for something. You finish praying that day and you come the next day and you make the same prayer point. So I think that's what Paul is saying when he says three times, because that's the only time you can really say something three times, right? You count the number of prayer times you've had. (laughs) So... He says, three times I prayed for this and God responded every time that my grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in weakness. Some translation will say, for my power is perfected in your weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast about all my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. This is a powerful twist of what prayer does to you. So you come with your burdens, your questions, with faith in your heart knowing that God is there to answer you, but without a requirement of how God will answer. And I think that's one of the things. So when we go praying, for example, we want a job. Faith does not mean, I know I will get this job. No. Faith is, I trust that if I ask God for anything, he hears me and he will respond knowing what is best for me and give me what is best for me. I've done my part, which is to pray and trust. And that's really what trust is about, that no matter the situation, whether the, you know, the branch is telling me to jump down from a branch, knowing that if I jump down, I could die. But he said it, his voice thundered. And instead of asking for who else can actually maybe throw a rope or grab my hand, 
and def- defining how God should answer your prayer. You say, no, okay, God said I should leave the branch and you let go of the branch. And all of a sudden, because you trusted God, yes, in the falling, you're going to feel that thing in your stomach. Like, you know, when you're falling down or you're on a ride, you know that thing, you're like, oh, I'm going to die. You're looking down. And then all of a sudden, maybe angels catch you. But that would be very synonymous with, with the Psalms, right? He will give his angels charge over you. We don't need to give definition to how God is supposed to step into our situation. What he calls us to do is to trust. And that's what prayer really is. That's what today's teaching is about. It's about being faithful, being full of faith, not staggering on the promises of God. If God gives a promise that this is what he wants to do in your life. For example, hey, how do we pray prayers of faith? You look at what God has said as a promise and you pray for that thing. Um, now, when you bring your own requests, your petitions, your situation, absolutely. But when you do that, because now you're not really aligning per se with a verse of scripture that is clearly spelled out as a promise of God, you should be open to how God is going to answer. And so in this case, Paul is praying for deliverance from the thorn in his flesh. And he says, deliver me from it. And God's answer is, uh, I can take it away. I can. I'm all powerful. But I think more can be achieved when you realize the end of yourself and allow my strength to be made perfect in your weakness. Like my strength is made complete when you are lacking. It's, it's, it's contrary to normal thinking, but that's God's design. That's God's way. And so what does Paul leave prayer with? So he came in with a burden. This is so instructive, guys. Pay attention to this. Paul came in with a burden. I need these thorns removed. He left there with what? A conviction. Ah, That's so powerful. It means that there are times when you will come out of prayer with more conviction that God loves you and that he cares for you and that you can boast in his, his, his love for you. So you may not get the answers you're looking for. What you will get is the answer that you need. And guess what? Because you don't know everything, you're not omnipotent or sorry, omniscient or omniscient. You will not always be right in your thought process about what to receive. And that's why sometimes we think we pray and we don't get answers, but we do get answers. We're just so caught up with the way we want it answered because we had a testimony of someone I want to do it the same way they did it. And we forget that God works with us individually, right? This is so, so important. So I have a, a final question, a final question. And I'm so glad with the feedback everyone has provided, but please remember, it's not just about having these conversations. I want you to take something away from this session that, by the way, have you learned something about faith in prayer? That faith in prayer is not a blanket statement. Um, don't fall into the trap of many prosperity preachers who would say you can have anything you ask without giving you the other scriptures that qualify what you can ask for, how you should ask and how you should receive. You need a full balanced understanding from the scriptures on how to ask, what to ask for. For, exa- for example, the Bible says, pray for the sick. And the Bible says the prayer of faith shall save the sick. So the Bible says that if I pray a prayer of faith, the sick will be saved. You believe that even until they die. 
listen to listen to why that is not wrong. When it comes to the plan of God in salvation, and this is going to bless you. When, when it comes to God's plan about anything, God is eternal. He's outside of time. So when you pray for someone that is sick, the Bible says, believe that they will be healed. So you very likely can see a healing right there and then. Other times, it may be a progressive healing. Other times, the person might die. And in all those cases, the only variable was from your lens. Let me help you see it bigger. Let me help you see the bigger picture. It may even be bigger than what I'm about to paint, but just to give you an idea. God's plan based on Romans 8 is that he's going to redeem the world completely. And for anyone who is in Christ, this is not the end, right? So there's going to be a day you will stand, even if you've lived all your life in, on planet Earth with a sickness, with a terminal illness, you will stand before God one day in a new body without that sickness. Was the prayer answered or not? It was. Was it answered the way you wanted it? No. And you see, I think that's the perspective some of us just need to have. Like we don't, maybe we don't trust God enough that he knows what he's doing or we don't trust that he hears us. And so let's clear the doubt. When we pray, he hears us. That's a guarantee. He hears everyone who has put their faith in him. He hears. But the answer, the timing is not for you to de- to decide. It's not for you to determine. The timing is in God's hands. So when it comes to things like marriage, you desire a good marriage. God loves that for you as well, right? Um, people were forbidding others to marry and Paul calls it a seducing spirit and false doctrine. So I can infer that God wants us to get married if it's a desire you have. So can you trust him? Like ask him, Lord, I want a godly spouse and I'm trusting you for a godly spouse. And he's not going to come this year or next year or the year after. I don't know. He can come tomorrow, but I'm open because I'm a servant of God. I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. I am a child that he loves. I can trust him. I can trust him to give me what I ask. And no matter how long it takes, like the example that should resound in your mind is Abraham. The Bible says Abraham staggered not at the promises of God. So he was patient. And none of us has lived, you know, up to how many, who is the only, maybe one person here is over, over 35. But he gets the promise at age 75. He has the child, the promised child, Isaac, when 100. That is a lot of time to trust God. Um, and some people would have given up. Oh, okay, I've passed the age. I can't have a child. Just think about how God works. God does not decline your requests. He just gives an answer that you might not be asking for. But in all, he will be glorified and he does it for your own joy. Like God wants to answer your prayer so that your joy might be full. That's what the Bible teaches. So final question. Final question. As we round off. But hands up if you've learned something. Because this one is a question that probably will just spill over till after. But I hope you've learned something today um, that probably has re. re we, you know, engineered your mind, for lack of a better word, on how to think when it comes to praying the prayer of faith. Believe with all your heart that God will answer 
but be open to the answer. Don't tie God's hands. You know, people that say, God, God, you have to do it like this. <laughs> that's, that's arrogance. Uh, you don't see everything. So here's the question. Can we change God's mind in prayer? Can we change God's mind? So when we pray, can we change God's mind? Because, I mean, that's something prevalent. And by the way, this conversation will continue throughout this month talking about prayer. What do you think? Who, who has any thoughts on that question? Can we change God's mind? And I'm saying this because sometimes we read through the scripture and maybe not even the scripture, we've heard people say, like, you know, pray until something happens, right? And it's kind of like, okay, we've tried and tried and God now finally so we change his mind on something. So is it biblical and is it true? So if I do you want to speak to that real quick? Hmm. So I just want to say that my response is, is based on what I've read of, of scripture, but I'm also open to the fact that, you know, there could be other scriptures that may prove this wrong, but how can I phrase this? I want to say yes, based on, um, there was, there was an example that Jesus was giving. I don't know whether it's in the gospel of Matthew. It's in one of the gospels where he talked about how if someone is before a judge and they are persistent in a way, the judge may just be like, you know, I'm not granting you this because you are in, you know, you're whether you're innocent. I'm just granting because you are persistent with me. And, you know, it's almost mm-hmm. the point of frustration. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because we talked about importunity earlier, which by definition is persistent. So, yeah. Um, Which is next week, by the way. We'll talk on. I think that's why I said this topic is going to extend. Yeah. Next week. But let me let me ask you a question on that. So I think mm-hmm. from what you are saying, you're saying there's the possibility that we can change God's mind because of some of the evidences in Scripture. And you, the example you gave was the the parable Jesus gave when he was teaching on prayer about importunity. That because this woman kept begging the king, and king was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. But you remember that that parable was Jesus trying to compare an unjust judge mm-hmm. with the most generous, kind God ever. So he's not saying this is how you should pester God. Yeah. So if you yeah. pester someone, yeah. mm-hmm. how much more God who is already generous and giving? So, yeah. yeah. Let me, that, that, thanks for that contribution. Let me hear some other people who are already out of time. Sarah. Um, So when you asked that question, I thought about two different situations. So when Abraham was interceding for Sodom and Gomorrah, Mm -hmm. and um, so that whole intercession story in terms of Abraham changing God's mind. And then I also think about Daniel when he was praying and his prayers got um, delayed and the angel came to minister to him and said that your prayers were actually answered. Mm -hmm. But... um, so, yeah, I'm thinking about both of those stories in the sense that if we're thinking that we can change God's mind, then perhaps we're waiting on something and we think mm-hmm. he hasn't answered us. So, we're, you know, we're praying even more like, Lord, I need an answer now kind of thing. But, um, yeah, I'm thinking about both of those stories, if that makes sense. Yeah. Thank you. Those are two powerful stories. And just like your husband added, um, you look at Moses, who, you know, stood as an intercessor and, you know, Basically, seemingly, I'm using seemingly because of some arguments on on the contrary, but seemingly making God change his mind on what he was going to do with Israel. It was like, ah, if you do this, they'll say you delivered them to only to destroy them. And it's like, oh, okay, 
I would I will not destroy them anymore, right? Or Hezekiah, where you know he says, "Put your house in order." The prophet tells him, "Put your house in order. You are going to die." Like, oh no! It tells Isaiah, "I'm so sorry." And starts praying to God, and God sends Isaiah back and says, "Tell him he has 15 more years," you know. And you're like, "Oh, okay." Did God change his mind there? So these are good questions to have, and this is like where Bible marathon um, comes in, right? Like we're supposed to look at all of scripture. So who has a, so let's, let's say that from the examples we've raised so far, the answer is yes, because we look at Moses, he changed God's mind. We look at Abraham. It seems like he, he, he could have, if there were a number of righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah, he could have changed his mind because he said, if, if they are, I will not. Or we look at Hezekiah, like we just talked about. So, so on the surface, it looks like that's the case. But when you look very closely at the intercessory role that these people played, and you see how the New Testament paints the picture, it tells us a different story. And it almost looks like God is trying to show um, something we cannot see. It's like anthropophobia. The word is anthropomorphism, um, where God, the infinite, all-knowing, all-powerful, needs to communicate to humans in a way they can understand. And so you see terminologies in scripture, like, and it repented God that he created man. You know, the idea that God can change his mind when he sees something he did. Um, it's a conversation to have. We're already out of time. If you want to chill a bit to talk more about it, you can, but we'll talk more about it um, next week. All right. And next week we're talking about um, importunity in prayer. So I think it just makes sense to bring this subject that we just, this question I just raised into that conversation. But here's the assignment. Think on this question deeply. Do some research, check concordances, see what people have said about it. Have your table. Yes, he changes. we can change God's mind. Here are the verses. No, we cannot change God's mind. Here are the verses. And see if there's any intertwining of those things, because I think it's an answer we need to have. Because when whatever answer you come up with will, will define, it will revolutionize how you pray, and it will, it will inform how you pray, honestly. Your knowledge will translate to your worship of God. So, um, yeah, I, I left a cliffhanger. I think it's a good thing to do. Please do that assignment. Spend some time thinking on it. The question is, again, can we change God's mind in prayer? Can we change God's mind? All right, so, so let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, your instruction. Um, in righteousness, you've told us that we should ask anything in your name and that you, you will hear us. So we have the assurance that you hear us, but you've also told us to pray in faith. And so, Lord, we commit ourselves to prayers of faith, not just acting like we will pray, but we pray prayers of faith, trusting fully that God hears us, but even further that God has our best interest and that everything we ask in his name, according to his will, we would receive and that we are open to how it will come, be it in the way we want or in a better way. It's always a better way with you. Um, we thank you so much for stirring this in our hearts today. And Lord, we live our life aware that you love us and that we are called to pray. So we will pray. Um, and for everyone here who is struggling, Lord, here's the freedom from that struggle. That in the name of Jesus, your prayer life is revived. 
your altar of fire is revived in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Hey there. So we've come to the end of this teaching session and we hope it was for you a teaching and an enlightening moment. We have so many other topics on our podcast that range from spiritual gifts to charisma to interpreting the Bible world and so many others. If you'd like to listen to any one of them, just look through our podcast catalog and find the topic that you'd love to learn. If you'd like to join us Sunday live on MixLR or on Zoom, all you need to do is go to our website, which is bit.ly forward slash bmglive4. That's the number four. Or you can look in the description and you'll find the link to the website there. We hope you have a blessed week and continue to grow and progress with joy in your faith.